A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, May 7th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, state leaders, dignitaries, and pastors unite for a national day of prayer and to offer an apology to the Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians. Plus, Mississippi's capital city is facing a rise in gun violence. Citizens and elected leaders come together in search of solutions. Then, a newly released report finds the nation's public health system is under-resourced, understaffed, and overburdened. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Residents across Mississippi are continuing to clean up, repair, and try to recover from a wave of storms that swept across the state this week. More than a dozen tornadoes ripped through parts of Mississippi, causing significant damage. Emergency officials received no reports of fatalities. As part of yesterday's National Day of Prayer, Governor Tate Reeves, along with other dignitaries, united in Jackson at the Mississippi Coliseum to pray for cities, the state, and the nation. The governor says he signed a proclamation to recognize and honor the power of prayer. He told the group gathered at the Coliseum that Mississippi has endured a lot over the past year. During my now 15 months in office, we have had many trials and many tribulations laid at our feet. In fact, just this week, we have withstood yet another round of devastating and severe storms. Now, I know that there are folks around our great state who are working today to rebuild, and they need our prayers. Mississippians, though, never fail to come, up, come out stronger because we trust in our faith. After the last year that we've been through, I certainly believe in the power of prayer. God commands us to pray. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 22, And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Many of 
us and many of our fellow Mississippians have seen affliction over the past year. For some of us, it's more than we could have ever imagined. We have seen affliction through the pandemic, through hurricanes, through ice storms, through tornadoes, through historic floods, and through the storms of the past 72 hours. But in our state, we remain joyful. We remain faithful. We remind each other today to stay the course, to keep the faith, to trust in our Lord, our Savior. And if we do, we know that Mississippi will thrive. As part of the National Day of Prayer, the state of Mississippi apologized to the Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians for the many years of injustices and violence inflicted upon Native Americans. Agriculture Commissioner Andy Gibson expressed the state's regret and asked the Indian nation for forgiveness. The hardest, most difficult two words to say are, I'm sorry. And the hardest, most difficult three words to say in the English language are, I forgive you. And you and I get to be a part of that today at a very significant level as we say, I'm sorry, for the way our fathers and mothers, grandfathers, those who came here in those early days, if anyone deserves an apology, it is the Native American peoples of this country. And so today, as we remember the resolution that was passed in Congress by then-Senator Sam Brownback, we want to say I'm sorry, and we want to acknowledge that there were injustices that were done to Native Americans, the original residents, the original farmers, the original citizens of this land. As I travel the state, I have the high honor to promote everything genuine Mississippi, and I I had a chance to tell the chief this morning, after all, the Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians, they are the original genuine Mississippi people. So along with Congress, we recognize the special legal and political relationship that Indian tribes have had with the United States and the solemn covenant with the land that we share. And we commend and honor Native peoples for the thousands of years they have stewarded and protected this land. And we recognize that there have been years of official depredations, ill-conceived policies, breaking of trust and covenants by the federal government regarding Indian tribes. And we do apologize on behalf of the people of the United States to all Native peoples and to the Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians for the many instances of violence, maltreatment, and neglect inflicted on Native peoples by the citizens of the United States in time past. And we express our regret for the ramifications of former wrongs and commitment to, we express the commitment today to build on the positive relationships that we have and to move forward together toward a brighter future where all people of this land live reconciled as brothers and sisters and harmoniously steward and protect this land together. And so, before I pray, very briefly, let me say to the Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians, on behalf of the state of Mississippi, we are sorry. The Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians is one of the United States' original First Nations and is the only federally recognized American Indian tribe in Mississippi. 
Chief Cyrus Ben became tribal chief in July 2019. He's the nation's fifth chief since the tribe received federal recognition in 1945. To the state of Mississippi, Governor, First Lady, we forgive you. We are one people. We have each and every, each and every one of us sits in this room was given breath by one. And we come from one, and we will go together as one. And I'd like to stand here before you today. First time in history, the state of Mississippi has a flag on the National Day of Prayer of In God We Trust. Amen. I'm so grateful to be a leader of the Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians. With a little over 11,000 members here in East Central Mississippi, but let's face it, we're neighbors, we're one. We're in the great state of Mississippi. I'm glad to be able to stand beside leadership, the governor, commissioner, secretary, colonel, officer, because just as we are, we have our men and women, tribal members abound throughout this state in different positions. And we will always be together so long as the Lord gives us an opportunity to be on this land. The police chief of the city of Jackson, James Davis, was also among the many dignitaries offering prayers for peace. Where law enforcement see the good and the bad and the ugly of life from all walks of life. We deal with broken people, broken homes, broken situations. And as I serve this chief, I see an absence. I see an absence of people, not only just Jackson, Mississippi, but all across this country. I speak with chiefs of police, and they're having the same thing. From small towns, they're having the same thing. We must be about our father's business. Jesus walked this earth. Jesus cast out demons, and he gave us the right to do the same. But we're not doing it. And the demons are running rapidly throughout our country, throughout our city, throughout our homes. And we must, and we have the power to stop it if we practice what Jesus practiced. Because it's very difficult in sad situations when we see a son kill his mother and she gave him the world. Drugs are running rapidly because God's people are not opening their mouths. This is a life that law enforcement first responders live every day. It's not the answer of putting more police officers on the street. If we arrest them, we're gonna put broken people in jail. They're going to be broken in jail. They're going to be broken when they get out. So we have a grand opportunity, and I'm so proud of this country. We was built, this country is built on God. We trust, and we must put our trust back into God. This year marks 70 years since Congress and the President established a National Day of Prayer. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. 
Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. I'm Karen Brown. Elected officials in Mississippi's capital city are calling a recent surge in violent crimes a public health issue. Law enforcement warns if gun violence continues to plague Jackson streets, 2021 could be one of the most deadly years on record. MPB's Ashley Norwood has more. Gas station at the corner of Northside Drive and Hanging Moss Road in Jackson, you see a dozen candles near the vacuum and air pump station. The words I love you, ball in heaven, and hashtag LLK remain spray painted on the ground where 20 year old Kenlin Thompson Jr. took his last breath. For his life to be so senselessly taken, I mean, it, it hurt. LaCoya Williams of Jackson says it's been difficult mourning the loss of her cousin, who she says was shot multiple times the night of April 1st while pumping air in his tires. Williams says he was found dead, lying next to his car with the air pump still in his hand. I didn't want my kids to leave my side for a whole week after this happened because of the anxiety. If I let my kids out of my eyesight, we go outside these doors, what may happen? It places a big fear in you because he was just putting air in his tires. The Jackson Police Department is reporting nearly 50 gun-related homicides so far this year, with many incidents occurring over consecutive days and sometimes within hours. Jackson State University professor of criminology Kevin Levine says the anxieties associated with violent crimes can be detrimental to one's health, especially residents in predominantly black communities. We already have issues in our society of hypertension, high blood pressure, all the things that are associated with the African-American community. Now you throw on traumatic loss. You throw on fear, fear of reprisal, fear of being out in the community just to go to the store. You're afraid that you might be a victim of a stray bullet. An increase in gun violence is seen nationwide. Many attribute the cause to stress of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, lack of mental health support, and relaxed gun laws. Jackson Police Chief James James Davis says a lot of what's happening in the city is personal. And most of those crimes stem from domestic dispute, retaliation, drug, gangs, and many other circumstances which the offender knew their victim. The number of homicides in the capital city has increased over the past few years. In 2019, city officials reported 82 homicides. In 2020, the number of murders nearly doubled that. Law enforcement officials believe if trends continue, the number of gun-related murders could match or outpace last year's total. JPD Public Information Officer Sam Brown says one of the challenges policing neighborhoods is having limited boots on the ground. Our dispatchers field or answer an average of 2,000 calls per day and give to officers to go out and serve the citizens. And when you have a shortage of officers, a lot of times they get backed up. Brown says the current climate of policing in America has also made it difficult to recruit. Even if the department is able to increase its number of officers, Jackson Mayor Shokwe Antar Lumumba says he doesn't believe that's going to be enough to have a lasting impact on violent crimes in the city. So when people decide to kill someone in a home, when people try to kill someone within a private setting, the likelihood is no matter how many officers you have, they won't be in place to stop that conflict. And so we not only need to focus on the what, we need to 
focus on the why. Mayor Lumumba says that means increasing the number of credible messengers in the community that can intervene and advise those engaged in conflict, and also increase social resources residents depend on, such as counseling and financial support. Got a call to order. Today's special meeting of the Jackson City Council. This week, the Jackson City Council called a special meeting with federal, state, and local leaders to address the city's increasing homicide rate. Second District Congressman Benny Thompson is encouraging the city to consider federal grant programs. It's my district, my community, like it is everyone else's. The last thing we can't do is let mediocrity cause us to fail by somehow accepting it has to be this way. It really does not. Dozens marched from the state capitol to Jackson City Hall in recent weeks, several carrying posters bearing the names and faces of victims of gun violence. LaCoya Williams prays justice will be served in her cousin's case and that no other family has to experience the same trauma. Ashley Norwood, MPB News. Coming up, a newly released report finds the nation's public health system is under-resourced, understaffed, and overburdened. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, you can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. I'm Karen Brown. A new report warns Mississippi isn't investing enough money in public health, which led to a slower response to the coronavirus pandemic. The Trust for America's annual report says across the country, there has been a downward trend in funding for public health. John Auerbach is the organization's CEO. He tells us this year the country has seen the consequences of that trend. The core public health personnel at the local and state level have been stretched to the limit. Many of them are working seven days a week, uh, extra hours. Uh, They were dealing in the last 12 months with increasing access to to testing, uh, with investigating cases, with uh, providing information about how to protect yourself. And, And now they're working nonstop around vaccinations. The core folks who work in those public health systems are the ones who have the the expertise. It really helps to have new money come in, as has come in uh, with the short-term money for COVID uh, in significant quantities. But the people who have to spend that money and hire the new people and train them and supervise them are so stretched that uh, they're not able to be as effective as they want to be. If we can, let's talk about Mississippi specifically. Because Mississippi is such a rural state, there were challenges right from the beginning, especially when it came to testing, to reach the people that needed to be tested. And it put great stress on our state health department. How did Mississippi rank against other states? Were there the same kind of challenges? Mississippi, as you say, faced significant challenges. States that had uh, 
invested more heavily in their public health systems with state funding or sometimes with the with um, uh, going after federal funds in a in an aggressive way did better they had larger health systems they had greater uh, what we refer to as surge capacity uh, the ability to um, uh, respond to an unexpected emergency um, if you have uh, fewer personnel and less budget to uh, deal with, even when you have dedicated skilled people as exist in the Mississippi health departments, there's only so many hours in the day, there's only so much they can do. And so that meant that they couldn't um, provide the level of protection for the residents of the state um, that would have been possible with a larger investment. According to your report, Mississippi ranks 17th among states for program funding, for federal program funding. And yet, Mississippi is still considered underfunded. Is that because we are the poorest state in the country? Well, federal funds provide some, but not all, of the public health funding um, in uh, at a state level. In general, public health funding provides about fifty percent of the uh, the resources for public health within a state. In Mississippi, it provides a larger percentage because the state has a smaller investment. So uh, simply looking at the, um, the federal investment won't give you the whole picture because uh, it, it doesn't capture the underinvestment at the state level. And I know that our state health officer has said more than once during this pandemic that his department will be facing more of the same, that it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when challenges that can't be met with the resources being what they are. That's right. I, I think the, the Mississippi State Health Commissioner is absolutely right. I, I think he he runs a, a, um, a department with uh, skilled, um, well-trained people, uh, but without the adequate resources, including the ability to hire a sustainable personnel, it uh, ties one hand behind the back of the department. Um, short-term funding for COVID that will go away uh, means that uh, permanent positions can't be hired with those dollars. Um, and and what's, what's, what we've seen as needed in the report is flexible dollars for state public health departments and very importantly, sustainable dollars that last beyond uh, an, uh, an immediate emergency. Mississippi has not expanded Medicaid. Is that crucial to attaining what your report suggests? Well, we, we definitely have seen a uh, connection between the um, level of insurance coverage and access to a primary care provider and the ability to respond effectively in the event of an emergency. Um, if what, states that had higher percentages of insurance and greater access to primary care doctors were better able to provide uh, COVID tests to the public. And and now we're seeing they're better able to provide uh, vaccinations. There are just many more um, locations where right now vaccines can be offered. Um, And some states have, for example, a a very large network of federally qualified community health centers. They're very important in this response. Uh, Mississippi has a number of those, but those federally qualified community health centers 
they need resources in order to um, be able to respond to the demand of the public for greater access to care and to uh, vaccination. In reading through the report, I came upon something that I, I found just shocking, and it is related to preventive medicine. Uh, it said, according to the CDC, roughly 60 percent of adults and about 25 percent of children ages two through eight live with one or more chronic disease. And seven out of 10 deaths each year in the United States are because of chronic conditions. We tend to take those for granted um, but um, and, and just assume that people will will get them. But that hasn't always been the case. We, we've seen a dramatic increase in chronic diseases like uh, diabetes, heart disease, and uh, asthma as a result of such things as the obesity levels in the nation that are continue to increase year after year and and are a significant problem in Mississippi. Uh, obesity levels lead to diabetes and heart disease and several other significant health issues. And uh, we now know that not only do those um, illnesses and conditions um, create their own problems. But during COVID, we found that during an infectious disease outbreak, they made the public uh, with those conditions much more vulnerable to a serious illness, a hospitalization and death. The report is called The Impact of Chronic Underfunding on America's Public Health System, Trends, Risks and Recommendations 2021. John, where can people access this report? It's very comprehensive, very in-depth. Thank you for asking. It can, they can reach it at our website, www.tfah.org. T-F-A-H is for Trust for America's Health. T-F-A-H.org. John Auerbach is the president and CEO of Trust for America's Health. Thank you so much for being with us, John. Thank you very much. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.